Chops TV. You will be chopped. Know what that means? Licking my chops. Today I will show you how to do a karate chop. Simply saying, no, he doesn't have the chops to do what it takes. New thing. I'm busting chops. Welcome to Chops TV, featuring Jennifer Lopez. Now here's Chops. Chops TV back full into spooky season. And, you know, obviously it's cliche to talk about the weather on a podcast or a radio show or whatever. But we talked about it last week off the top and how it was an 87 degree day. And what a difference a week makes as fall just immediately came here. Are you enjoying the cooler weather, Jen? For sure. Fall fall fell. And that's great. I love the fall. Soup. Spookies. Breadsticks. Broken furnace that you have to replace that costs an exorbitant amount of money. Yeah, so much money. I'm, I'm, I think furnaces should be free. This is why I was going to marry a lumberjack, because then he wouldn't have to buy a furnace. We would have very little money, but the house would be heated with wood and such. Well, maybe like old-timey lumberjacks, but I bet lumberjacks now are just a part of the system and don't get to just take the wood. It goes to the company. How are they going to take the wood? Where are they going to get the wood? They're chopping wood all day. They have to come home and chop wood? It's like when I worked at Potbelly. You know, you still work for the man, you know, making sandwiches, but then you skim some off the top and you take one home. (laughs) Okay, so the same thing is like... I used to work at a place that served ice cream. We'd take little samples of the ice cream. Similar to that, you just take a few logs yeah, with you. Yeah, take some, take some logs. Take just some take twigs. A few logs. We got a chimney in, in the house that we live in, in the woods. All right, maybe that's it. the goal for us is to... We do have a wood-burning fireplace. We've never lit it. We've never cleaned the chimney, which is something we were told we have to do before we light it. And uh, I don't know if it heats anything beyond like the room it's in. I'm so worried about our chimney, potentially, like, when we do light it. Just, like, exploding? Exploding, I don't know, setting off some chain reaction that we have no control over. Maybe it's got, like, weird stuff at the top, so, like, the smoke turns, like, gray and they've elected a new pope. All of a sudden, Dick Van Dyke wants to hang out with us and sing and, like, Click his little ankles together. What if we light the fireplace and, and we kill Dick Van Dyke? N- no, I they was lie. gonna. I was gonna say it opens a wormhole that brings the chimney sweep into our home. Dick Van Dyke alive, ninety-seven years old, and you want to kill him? <laughs> no, by and lighting our fireplace. You want to kill him? Well, I gotta keep warm. He's had a full ninety-seven years. I got a lot more time here on this <laughs> earth. So instead of buying a furnace, I will risk. Hurting Dick Van Dyke. I won't say kill, but I'll, I'll risk it. I think the probability that Dick Van Dyke is living in our chimney as a chimney sweep is very low, but I will admit it is not zero. Yeah, because you've never seen the top of the chimney. But what if we got it checked out, wouldn't it? Then we would be sh- sure that he's not there. If he's off doing work. <laughs> he's maybe, off, he's maybe off in a different it, chimney at that time. Maybe this is just like a side project. You know what I mean? Mm. Okay, well, I guess... He's totally for hire, too. He's not just, like, alive. He's spry, right? I I don't know how... It doesn't list 97-year-old-spry or (laughs) 97-year-old-decrepit, so I don't know for sure. 
Uh, but his picture looks okay. I mean, Mel Brooks is 97 too, and he still shows up on like red carpets every once in a while. I wouldn't hire him though. You wouldn't hire Dick Van Dyke or Mel Brooks? Mel Brooks is a chimney sweep. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, if we um, killed an acting legend by lighting our <laughs> lighting our chimney, that would be pretty scary. You know what else is scary? All these movies we've been watching because it is Spooktober. Uh, we're recording this on the 10th. I have watched 10 horror, scary, Halloween-themed movies. Some are a little bit more on the... The funny, like, uh, tongue-in-cheek type vibe. I did take my chances and rewatch Hubie Halloween. I guess I'm just addicted to the Adam Sandler Netflix movies. I, shot in Freud. I can't, I can't quit them. And uh, But I, we watched it like three years ago when it came out. I was like, oh, is that one any good? We're not going to talk about that one. It's not worth talking about. What is worth talking about is one with that word in its name. Talk to me. We watched that on... Friday. Straws. <laughs> that worked. That one worked. That transition worked. I physically saw you reaching for that one. I couldn't work it around <laughs> to where talk was at the beginning of my sentence yeah. anymore because I was saying talk about at the end of sentences. Either way, this one uh, comes to us from Australia. There's no, is there a euphemism? Down under, I guess, is a way we could go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it comes up. Here, it was in theaters like in the summer for some reason, but it got decent reviews. People seemed to like it. And I will say after watching it that first impressions was definitely creepy. It took itself seriously enough that it wasn't nearing like so bad it's good, grim cutty type territory, even though the story to me was very similar actually. But, and this is probably just because I'm getting older, We watched it outside in the garage where we have the TV and it was during the daylight. So that's probably a factor too. But overall, I find that because I'm not a kid anymore, (laughs) these movies don't really scare me that much. But I do still like them. I do watch them. Mm. So yeah, welcome to the club. Because they're not scary. They never scared me. Um, Oh, big tough J-Lo over there. Nothing scares her. That's not true. You won't even touch a spider. Exactly. (laughs) Things scare me. All right, then we have to watch Arachnophobia next. It's called life. Seeing that bill for a furnace, that shit will fright me. More so to, than to talk the to bones. me. Most more so than talk to me. Um, but usually when you put those things on, I kind of just chill, scroll, doom scroll, you know. But this one actually grabbed my attention a little bit. So you, you set out to initially just be like, okay, you can watch this. I'll just chill here. It was Friday afternoon. We were just kind of hanging out. And you were looking at your phone, and eventually you were looking up from your phone, and eventually you had actually put your phone down. So it pulled you in, yeah. At the very least, yeah. I thought it was a, I thought it was well made. I like I said, I think creepy is like the better vibe for it. It's definitely not going for like jump scares. It's not like super cheap in that sense, but just like a lot of weird imagery. It yeah. deals with like a purgatory world. Is is it's very going on. like eerie and vibey, like. No, nowhere near like Donnie Darko, but Donnie Darko is a movie that actually scared me, but it's not scary. Mm-hmm. It's just like moody and vibey. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that is similar to how I felt watching this movie a little bit. So, yeah, I think like, yeah, in the dark, it might do a little bit more, but maybe it's just because we're out of that demographic because it's definitely a teen centered movie. It's not a slasher film, but it's a bunch of teenage characters and they go with it. For those who don't know, the premise is that. 
there's this like hand covered in ceramic and supposedly within the ceramic hand is a is a real hand of somebody who Oh, is some, that what happened? Yeah, some sort of medium person that like had a connection to the the other world, the other side, mm. right? And so these kids get their hand on it and they think it's like a party trick, which Honestly, doesn't seem like that much fun, but I'll finish the description. Either way, you grab the hand, you say, talk to me, and then across from you appears somebody who's stuck in purgatory. And they can be any sort of level of uh, decomposition at that point, or however they died, their their body might look completely mangled. And then you you let them in, you say, I let, I let you in. And then, boom, they're in, they, they like possess you for a second. And like so you talk with your eyes all blacked out to all your friends. And they all are filming it. Make and, out with your friend's dog. Yeah, you make out with a friend's dog. Um, and then in the, spoiler alert, in the premise of the movie, one of the younger characters does it. He is like a younger brother of one of the main characters. And he stays too long. And it basically like flips who is in. So the entity then is like in his body. And he is stuck. His soul in the the uh, purgatory world, and so then they're they're trying to save him throughout. There's a girl who the reason he was stuck is because she's talking to her mom who is possessing him, or at least that's what she thinks is going on, and that's why she wants to hold on for longer because her mom had recently passed and she wanted to get a last time with her. So then it's also about that girl Mia working her way through that grief and kind of changing as a character. So that's what the movie is about. But I yeah back to the actual event i mean it's kind of it would be creepy and like a neat thing to see like once but i'm not sure if i saw it that i'd be like oh i'm next or that if i saw one person do it like i would be intrigued but i think i would be like all right that's i get it yeah that's enough and yet these kids are bonkers for it they love it some of them go multiple times in the same night yeah and they're like sharing it on their socials and stuff which doesn't really make any sense but whatever also, it really kind of like threw me that after they're done, like at first, obviously, she's like frightened because she has no idea what's going on. And the rest of the people in the room do know. So they're all giggling and laughing and stuff. But like, it's not funny or fun. And then she's done afterwards. And it's almost like a high. Like, yeah, it would be like I would understand like people kind of cheering after it would be like somebody at a party being like, I'm going to jump off the roof into the pool, right? And they do it and nothing bad happens. They just do it. But like in the moment, everybody would be like, kind of like looking at each other, really quiet, like really nervous about like this stunt. Is she going to make it out? Yeah. And then they do it and everybody goes, yeah, and they cheer. Like that's what I could see maybe having it. But you're right. During the possessed events, they're all sitting there like laughing. Like it's so hilarious that, some sort of purgatory entity is now in my friend's body and talking to us, sometimes in different languages, mm-hmm. sometimes they're singing. Sometimes they like they seem to possess, no pun intended, other powers to like of perception to know things that's that are going on because they'll point out characters mm-hmm. and say, This person's this, or oh, she actually likes him, or that kind of stuff. I don't there's no real explanation of why they know that, just that more all seeing, I guess, when you're in purgatory. Yeah. I think it would have been scarier had we spent more time in the purgatory world. It, but then are you just getting more into, like, the realm of, like, the conjuring and uh, what's the uh, insidious? Because insidious in that first movie, they, like, go into the world to, like, get the kid back. And so, 
Yeah, that probably would have just felt like something we've seen before. Like that goes all the way back to like Poltergeist. They go into the closet to go save the little girl in Poltergeist. So they went into the purgatory world to save the kid. They do it. You, I will say. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say you missed the part at the beginning where they came across the kangaroo that was like roadkill. It was in the, the street, and Mia and the the little brother who ends up going into the purgatory world. He was saying, like, oh, should we take care of this? Like, call somebody, move it out of the road. It's just sitting there suffering. It wasn't quite dead, but it was clearly gone. It was a goner. And she was just too freaked out about it. You know, I think death is still sensitive to her with her with her mother's death. But also just the idea of, like, moving on and going forward, which is kind of what purgatory is. So you get those themes throughout. And she, not really in a good, constructive way. It's a pretty destructive and... If you weren't somebody watching the movie from an outside observer that doesn't understand everything that's going on, you would think she has, you know, mental issues at this moment uh, to the point where she eventually does kill herself at the end, which is it's a very weird way to do a character arc where you move through it and it makes sense and it works. And she hits the arc of what normally would be like the healthy thing, the ability to move on with your grief and and help something else pass to the other side, all that stuff. But it results in her jumping into traffic when it looks like she's about to throw the the boy into traffic, too. Um, So it was... Horror movies pretty um, consistently have these character arcs that are really easy to pick out. I think even more so than other movies because they always set them up in the beginning and then it gets into the, the horror movie story. So I found that interesting that it was such a negative way for a character to go through her arc, which is normally a positive trait. For a character in a movie. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I enjoyed that um, most of the time it's about like fighting to get out of it. And then the resolution is that they do get out of whatever insidious behavior or situation that they're in. This one, she's just like clawing herself deeper into that trap, which I found interesting. Was she, did she jump or was she pushed by the friend? I don't think she was pushed by the friend. He was like zonked out. She like took him off. No, the fr- the friend, the girl. Oh, was she there. came up to the fence to save her brother. Yeah, and maybe pushed her. I don't know. Maybe don't it's up to s- interpretation, but because I mean, he was you, out yeah. of the chair, like yeah. the chair was tipped over, so she didn't just leave him in there and jumped. You know what I mean? But if they do that, then that almost makes her like more of a villain, and it doesn't actually complete the art fully. Well, I don't know. It's, I mean, I we could re-look at that. Maybe, you know, maybe we'll watch it in a few years sometime and, and we'll see that. I, I can see that as, I mean, because she is there at the right time yeah. for that to happen, but that's not how I it. Read was just it. a little bit ambiguous, yeah. I think, for me. Also, I didn't understand, because I missed that first 10 minutes, but um, how did the teenagers just like get a hold of this thing and start like posting on the internet like supernatural occurrences are just like a regular phenomena yeah and nobody like nobody like asked about this like this it was just available like on the other social feeds because they were looking at one before they're like oh it might be at the party tonight the kid who got it so there's that opening scene where the previous people who had it one kind of goes crazy and kills so i think you have to kill to get over the possession because that kid kills his brother and then they 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 question him mm. later in the movie and then that group of people had given it to the the bigger guy in the the group of our main characters I see. so i'm wondering if 
maybe Mia, now that I'm talking it through, maybe Mia kind of figured it out and said somebody needs to like be sacrificed to the purgatory world. That's what they want. They want a soul for their well, they for said, the purgatory the world. Mom and so said she it, gave I it thought. to herself. No, yeah. I thought the mom said it. Like that they want one. So yeah. it, you're, if you're not going to get this soul back unless you trade them I another one. I thought so. Yeah. But no, even the mom sense. was a, like yeah. a nefarious character too. Like she wasn't like wholly the mother still. She was definitely like an agent working for mm-hmm. You know, with the other purgatory people, especially at the end where she's like, yeah, fucking do it. Kill him. Ah." If you have an opportunity to watch Talk to Me, I'd recommend it. I think it's a good spooky season. It's new, so it's something that you likely haven't seen. And yeah, I think it's a a good one to go into. However, the more I, um, I learn about Australia, I guess not learn about, just like the more I see Australia in media, the less I want to go there. (laughs) So yeah, uh, I guess watch the movie. Don't visit Australia and participate in whatever ceramic hand a teenager puts out on a table as they strap you to it. How are the kids into this? Yeah, it's weird. Another high schooler one that this one kind of mixed decades, which gives me mixed opinions on it, but it's on Amazon Prime right now if you want to check it out. It just came out this week. It's called Totally Killer Shades of the uh, Final Girls movie that came out a few years ago where the girls transported back into the 80s slasher flick Mm -hmm. that her mom was in. This time, it's like they lived the 80s slasher flick and the girl's mom survived it until she was murdered here in present 2023. And then her friend just invents a time machine. Kind of, they kind of skim over that. Very <laughs> no questions asked, really. She was just like, yeah, why aren't you going to tell people that you're working on a time machine for the class project, for the science project? Yeah, for the science fair. She's just like, ah, but I can't get it to work. And it's like, yeah, you're a high schooler trying to build a time machine. Of course you can't get it to work. But it gets stabbed by the killer. And somehow, they just needed a metal conductor. Oh, yeah. Just needed a metal conductor. An extra metal conductor. And, and, and just one extra one. So then she goes back in time to the 80s. She meets up with her mom. Her mom and her dad in the 80s is not exactly what she would expect. And she goes through it. So I couldn't tell early on if the movie was like groaningly out of touch. Like older person wrote dialogue for teenagers. There's references to like saving the environment. There's... You know, like social issues that just come up today that are cliches about safe spaces and... Dodgeball being illegal. Well, that comes back in the 80s part. And so when when they said some of those jokes, I was like, okay, these are the low-hanging fruit that like anybody can make about Gen Z kids, kids nowadays. And then they get to the 80s and some of those jokes worked a little bit better, probably because the person was around in the 80s. But she has like, she's like completely baffled by the lack of security everywhere. She just goes into the high school and is like trying to give this whole explanation of why she should be at the school. And the, the uh, secretary lady's just like, all right, here's your, here's your schedule. She's like, that's it. There's no verifying it. She's like verifying. At one point she hands the cop a Ziploc bag of blood, like on a tissue from the murderer. And they're like, what the hell's DNA? And he just throws it. He just (laughs) drops it on the ground. So some of that stuff worked. It made me start to think, okay, maybe the it was just setting us up for the juxtaposition and this movie might be a little bit more clever than I thought. I think it's a little more clever than my original suspicions, but I don't think it's ultimately that well written, that smart of a movie. When it finished, we turned it off and I think I just said to you, adequate. Yeah, no, for sure. I would recommend people watch just because it was like kind of fun. Yeah, if you have Prime, it's, yeah. not a, it's not a bad way to spend 90 minutes, but it's... I don't think it's going to be something that like next year I'm like, oh, we got to watch Totally Killer again. Yeah, for sure. I will say there are a couple things I liked. I liked that there were like very obvious references to like 80s movies. Like I 
was immediately like, oh, this is like Heather's when she goes back in time and her mom and her friends are mean and they're wearing scrunchies. I'm like, oh, yeah, Heather's, duh. Yeah, and they just flip it to they're all big fans of Molly Ringwald, which, yeah, I mean, those movies were, I don't know, like, did people like purposely, somebody who was alive in the 80s, if you're listening, tell us how big of a star Molly Ringwald uh, was to the point where four girls would choose to dress like her from various movies for somebody's Sweet 16. But, yeah, that's the thing. One of the girls is named Heather. Yeah. Um, and then they, they reference Back to the Future a lot. And they also, they almost do as good of a job as Back to the Future in this one. I thought this was cool how not only did her actions change the future when she got back. It's just like the end of Back to the Future 1. Her parents are still there in the same house. But they're much more successful. They're much happier. Things are better for everybody pretty much involved. But also it was changing in the real time there. And not like the easy ones where you can just see. Like, oh, he did this, so he ended up not walking down this street. It would be like longer standing stuff, like butterfly effect type stuff, where she, what she said to these girls made the girl, the first murder victim, murder somewhere else. And then by trying to get him to stop, they still ended up at the cabin where the second murder was, but it was a different girl who was murdered second, who was supposed to be murdered third. I thought that was kind of cool how in the moment in the 80s it mm-hmm. was changing what was happening. Yeah, and then like reflected into the future when he's like, I know that. I I mean, I have studied this cold case for years. I'm an expert in this. How did I mix up when the murders happened? Like, who was murdered first and at what venue? Yeah, that was, yeah, for him to be able to acknowledge that, like, I feel like I had this. So then they got to play with the Mandela effect, which, hey, for, like, it, you know, it actually being the explanation in the movie... Fair enough. Then that guy ends up going back in time. So this is where it gets messy. Yeah. The We'll start with the original murderer. And they find out who he is then in the 80s. They still have not caught him in 2023. But he is back on the prowl as he has gone to kill this main character girl's mom, played by Julie Bowen. But then when they do solve it, you don't feel this sense of, in a movie like Knives Out, where they're like, well, let me explain it all to you. They don't always have to have an accent, but... He does in that movie. I don't think that was a very good one. (laughs) But he explains it all. And it's based on of, oh, remember this scene? This is what this actually meant. Or this is what this was actually showing. Whereas this movie, of course, every character feels like a red herring. Because they drop some of the, the back knowledge to it. But it's not until the final reveal that the real killer was was boyfriend with a girl that they bullied basically into killing herself in a drunk driving accident we never met her and it was never stated that they were dating beforehand so when they're dating and then you get that's like you need one or the other we either need the information that he was dating her earlier or we need the information that she didn't just die in a random teenager drunk driving accident yeah that it was something that was sort of orchestrated Mm -hmm. by that group of girls yeah that was my biggest gripe was that it could have been any one of the characters and they yeah could have come up with any explanation for it they could have just put the names in a hat and picked one and then that's who the killer is yeah because they didn't set it up and we didn't even meet this trish character it could have been any of it could have been, been any of the boys. Yeah. They could have been the secret boyfriend girlfriend. <laughs> so that's a problem. You can't make everybody a red herring mm-hmm. and then just say, "Well, actually, this information you didn't know." Solves then, a little mystery. But then we also don't get like the comeuppance part of it for the future, right? So like we don't see the only ripple that we see is that the gym teacher is now the principal because they end up killing Which is the funny, principal in the past because he's kind of a jerk the whole time he doesn't really redeem himself he just helps out and 
getting the murderer at some point. And yet, yeah, those him and the uh, the girl who's the daughter, the who's now the sheriff in 2023, but she's the daughter of the sheriff in the 80s. Yeah, during that, like those two, she at least kills the murderer. So maybe a little bit of redemption there. But for the most part... Those two suck. Yeah, they do suck. Why do they get to have the cool 2023? They should have the worst. They're like Biff. They should have the worst, worst 2023. Yeah. But both of them also improved their station by everything that went on there. Yeah. And then like the ultimate killer really is the podcaster. Because she doesn't really care about the original killer, right? In her mind, she thinks that the original killer is the person who also killed her mom. So for her, her vendetta is actually against the guy who was in the future with her the whole time, which is the podcast guy. Yes. Did he did he ever explicitly state that he killed her or just that he made up the note? to? He keep... made up the note to kill her. But did he kill her or did the principal still kill her in the future? Now that you say that, I'm not mm. sure which one it is. But, but there used... were two. He Weren't used they? it as an opportunity, though, to keep the story going. Yeah, because he has the podcast on it. And then also kills his dad back in time. Yeah, so I don't know what the what the full deal is there. But, there, I mean, obviously, yeah, the podcaster is, like, involved with getting the story reinvigorated in that time. Last thing for it for me, uh, what is the killer's look? Is it supposed to be a George? Mi- He's got the earring, like, dangling. It's, like, very George Michael-esque from the 80s. But I don't fully get it. And also then when, like, the podcaster has it when he goes back in time, and it's still like in pristine condition. Like it should be deteriorated yeah, it should be some, aged, right? Right. If especially if it was the original killer who killed her, it should be worn a little bit. No, it's like they're begging people to recreate this costume. They wanted the mask to be very distinct and very specific, and then he's in all black, but. It's got like this like vista on it on his on his sweatshirt and so mm-hmm. that's very colorful and bright and again identifiable. Well, that's got to be like a Michael Myers thing, right? Like that has had to happen in one of the Halloween movies where like a bunch of people start wearing the the mask cuz he's an urban legend, but then oh, it's him this time for real. I feel like it, I've seen that before in those movies. Well, that's more in Scream, especially because Scream becomes oh, the yeah, sta- yeah. in universe. It becomes the stab movies, and people wear that stuff. The Michael Myers one. There's so many sequels to that, and they restart the continuity so often. So there might be an instance of that. But the funny thing about that is he just grabs the mask from the hardware mm-hmm. store in town. So at the beginning of two, there is a guy wearing the same mask as him yeah. that just gets fucking nailed by a car it's the the cops are there and they're like there he is and they just hit him and they drive him into another vehicle and then it explodes it was not michael myers um (laughs) so and i think it's actually the the boy that um laurie strode is kind of got the hots for Mm. that she is talking about in the first movie but she never gets to see him again because he gets (laughs) he gets pinned by a car that explodes so two things for me First thing, at one point they do try to explain the time travel in another way. This is before the actual time travel happens as Endgame. Like, oh, have you seen Marvel and blah, blah, blah. So, like, it doesn't change and blah, whatever. And that's true. In that instance, time in the future doesn't change because it's technically your past. And it's already happened. So you just like branch off into a different timeline, I guess you would then do if you've changed so much. What they're saying is the time all happens at the same time. So yes. 
but things- original 1987 and original 2023 happened at and then they kept going and then new 1987 happened and then she goes back and now it's new 2023 but then are all those happening but what i'm saying is that they said like like marvel but it wasn't but that was before a time travel so was she just wrong about how it would have played out i don't know but they also were right about like the differences from back to the future that she wasn't going to like disappear that she was always going to be there because she had been born in what is technically the future of where she's at temporally but also the past it's time yeah when you this happens every time you talk about a time time travel travel movie movie. that you just go wait but then i do like the idea of endgame being like a temple time travel movie though so that that tickles my fancy i enjoy that i mean what are the other ones back to the future endgame doesn't the uh, prestige have to do with time travel great white buffalo hot tub time machine yeah. <laughs> is it the prestige or the illusionist so. that has to do i thought one of them had to do with time travel i haven't I seen forget, those movies yeah. in a long time okay and then my second thing was the dna part could you and i i find this fascinating just because like i enjoy listening to like documentaries and stuff like that about murderers not to the extent of like you know a lot of you know, millennial white women like to like, I'm not listening to murder podcasts, but um, the idea of like, Oh, who's that one guy who they thought was like, so handsome. He was like Ted Bundy. Okay. So like Ted Bundy got away with all these murders. Cause he just like moved around the country and like stole people's credit cards and they like could not catch him. It was just that easy back then. It's just go. so easy. And then with DNA now it's like, there's no way that he would even be able to cross, like, county lines. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, like, aren't there, like, cold cases that every once in a while get, like, reopened because they're like, oh, we found New DNA evidence. I could have his DNA on it, so yeah. let's look into this now. Yeah, it just completely <laughs> changed the game for searching people out and finding them that way. So that's uh, totally killer. It's on Amazon Prime right now, as I said. I would recommend a nice little, if you're just looking, hey, let's watch something this evening that's a little spooky, but you're not looking for hard horror that's perfect. If you are looking for hard horror movies, this one is currently on Max, and I highly recommend it. You've probably already seen it if you're a fan of these kind of movies, because it's a classic. 1973's The Exorcist, which has spawned sequels of its own, prequels of its own, obviously kind of an entire genre of movie, as it almost feels like they just want to find a way to fit Exorcist or Exorcism into the title of the movie, but you go all the way back to the original one, it's probably more understated than it exists in your head. I know that was a little bit for me. I will say it definitely still scared me. Part of that is just remembering the fear. How, how scary it was to me and that's still sticking there. But I'm going to pass it off to you who was this like just the second time you've seen it? I or? think so. And I don't even know if the first time I watched it, I watched it all the way through because those first 15 to 20 minutes hard to get through. Not because it's scary. (laughs) No, there's almost no dialogue. If you are not familiar with the the way the movie goes, it's probably really confusing. It's very confusing. To start in a bright, sunlit Iraq that has like, you know, it's got the, they're excavating. So it's kind of that red, Mm clayish, mud, rock type look. I mean, yeah, it's probably very different from what you were expecting going into the movie. And it just keeps, it just keeps going. And 
now the movie's been around for so long and there's so much lore and there's so many different websites you can go to look up. And I've done that in the past few days, just being like, what was this? How did this work into the story? But I can't imagine people, especially like the idea of the demon is Pazuzu who possesses Reagan. They don't state that in the movie. No. That gets stated in later movies. So now it's something that's that's known. I guess if you were like, a theology like master, like some sort of doctorate in that, that you might recognize the statue as Pazuzu, mm. but that's a very small amount of people. So I, yeah, I guess I could see that. I also think that there's like two ways it can go. And it depends on, because it's an older movie, it's easy. I think to protect yourself from being scared by laughing at it and making fun of it. Cause some of the effects just don't hold up as mm-hmm. well as they, they would have back then. Now you're talking about it. It's in HD. It's easy to make fun of green slime pea soup coming out of the the mouth. It, it's, it's scary, but also it can be easily laughable. The things that possessed Reagan says to the adults yeah. in the room. And I think that's also a part for people that like why maybe, oh, it doesn't seem so scary. But I still contend that. If you let it come to you and you respect the the material and, mm-hmm. and really sit there and watch it and take it all in, I still do think it's a scary movie and scarier than anything else I've watched. And as I said, I've watched 10 movies in this realm just this month and watched plenty of movies in the past as well. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. My humor has always leaned on the like more crass side anyway. So I think hearing those things or like watching a little girl do that in the 70s is probably like more alarming than it is today because like TikTok exists and I've seen kids do crazy shit on the internet. So like that kind of doesn't phase me anymore. I will say I don't not get scared by movies, especially like when I was younger. The, the first time I watched The Grudge, terrifying, terrifying experience. But it's the second time you've mentioned The Grudge since I've been on this kick of let's watch spooky movies. I guess we should Because the... it, it really did stick oh with me as like... Oh my God, you only watched The Grudge because Buffy's in it, didn't you? No, actually, Matthew wanted to watch it. Sarah Michelle, Sarah, Sarah Michelle, Michelle Geller. Geller. Yeah, but was that was the remake of The Grudge, right? So I think the original Grudge... I think, it's I think a movie Juwan. It's the it's a Japanese movie. Yeah, yeah. Because Ringu is the ring, and I think Juwan is the grudge. So, so I think that movie has in common with The Exorcist. Has in common with Psycho. Where like the first, I would say, I would even say like that first half of the movie really does feel more like art house film than horror film because like people weren't setting out to make scary. Halloween movies mm-hmm. at that time they were just like making darker films right yeah. so it does have that like lived it's, in like we are experiencing like a full arc like a whole story like a beginning middle and end with these people and I think that's true when you go back into movies from that time frame too like now we have such an idea of what a mob movie is, but The Godfather doesn't really have that exact feel. Right. It's just it a movie have, that happens to be about people in the mafia. Right. It doesn't have like the archetype, like the steps, how to make a successful horror movie. Mm-hmm. Which is I something mean? that I complained about at the beginning of Talk to Me, that every modern horror movie feels like they have to have what is ultimately going to be the scary thing that happens to the characters happen to a different person or a different group of people at the beginning. It's a super common in slasher films, but now it's in all of these 
these like supernatural ones as well. And that's what happens in Talk to Me. And then that person, they get to meet up with that group or the person later on in the movie. And they're usually in a really bad spot because of how traumatic this event was. And then they dump a bunch of exposition on you. So I like this. I, not that that's always a bad thing because there's plenty of good movies that do that. Um, but it stands out a lot in the, in the worst ones. But this one... And it helps because the movie's been around a long time. It'd probably be more frustrating, although everything's so connected now. It's just nice to be able to go, am I interpreting this right? Or was that what that was supposed to be? And kind of going, and I've looked into some forums and, and seen that. Like the, the 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 ones that stand out to me from this one is the detective finds the little statue at the bottom of the stairs after the movie director is thrown out of Reagan's window and dies. And at first I thought, that was the Pazuzu statue. And how did that get there? Did the director have it on him somehow? Is he some sort of collector? They don't explain everything. It's based on a novel, yeah. too. So I think there's more in the novel than is always in the movie. Um, but it turns out it's, it's supposed to be one of Reagan's sculptures. She's kind of like a, an artsy little kid. And th- so it's just supposed to link that, oh, he was actually in the room. He didn't just fall down the stairs. And so the detective keeps getting closer that way. But I don't think that's completely uh, spelled out. The desecration of the Mary statue in the church. Mm-hmm. That just kind of goes away. Yeah, they, they're, they're just like, oh, this happened and it sucks. Yeah, there's really no resolution to it. So if anybody has any better explanation for that, but that, even in some of the things I was reading, they're like, yeah, in the book they go into that more, but it doesn't really get covered here. Um, and then this one I think is a good version of like, it's just being laid out there. It's not saying it directly, but some people have brought this up online and I think it's the... A good question to ask. So the assistant girl runs out and she asks Burke Dennings, the director, to come in and just stay with the house because Reagan's sick. They're still, I think it still kind of under wraps how sick she is and what's exactly going on. But why did he go <laughs> into her room? I think is a, a, a fair question. And so there was there were some questions of like, well, was this guy a predator? Did he do something to her before? Did that like did that like loss of innocence open herself up to be possessed? Mm-hmm. So there were some questions there and I'm like, hmm, I, I mean, there's not, because the movie doesn't explicitly say everything that we don't yeah. even see him in the house or go into the bedroom. I think that like, there's enough evidence there that I can entertain that possibility. And that sometimes is just the more fun part about watching movies, seeing mm-hmm. it and being like, well, what if it was this or what if it was that instead it does feel like horror movies, most like mainstream ones nowadays are laid out for you. Just here's what it is. I will say it's probably the best of the bunch of movies that we've watched thus far this year. I would say probably the grouping last year too. I would put it at my top probably just because it's like a objectively yeah, like a it's good a, movie. <laughs> like like you said, like going through it, like you for the first half of it. No, it's not scaring you at all, which sometimes makes the scares pay off a little bit more. Yeah, but it yeah, you are you're enthralled. You're ready to see what's going to happen. I can't imagine what it would be like for somebody who's never seen The Exorcist before to sit down there and watch it nowadays. But you're right. It might take... I would imagine there are teenagers who hear about The Exorcist. And, oh, people say this is the, the one of the scariest movies ever. We got our hands on it. Let's let's watch it. It's on Max right now. Let's, let's turn it on. And they turn it on. And probably for 80 minutes, they're like, what? What is this? What's going on? And then it turns. But then by that point, are they like sold out of it enough that they don't take it seriously and then mm-hmm. they don't get out of it what that's why i put like it nine-year-old me got out of it. that's why i put it in like those i guess i'm making a new genre which like technically like these movies sort of like invented the genre but like 
Suspiria, Birds, you know, stuff like art house horror. Yeah, and then like A24 is like taking over that mantle now. Because as I was thinking about it, I was like, man, what movies like actually have scared me that much like as I've gotten older? And um, I think It Follows did a decent job, but the one that came to mind mostly was Hereditary, which is mm. probably A24's most famous horror movie. It's possibly their most famous movie. That or Midsummer. Yeah. Um, Midsummer's trippy too. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of creepy imagery that sticks with you in Hereditary uh, for sure. And it feels, Midsummer, at least you can kind of detach yourself from it. Like, yeah. well, I'm not going to that. <laughs> so uh, I think that's why it, another thing that makes The Exorcist so scary is, especially, I imagine it for parents, it hits them a lot harder. But also just like, this is normal stuff. They didn't. Th- Reagan didn't do anything like super specific to get possessed yeah. by Pazuzu. She was just like a dumpy teenager kid. Yeah, she maybe was playing around with a Ouija board, but I don't know what percentage of teenagers do that, but it's probably a pretty high percentage of ones. And uh, she talks to, was it Mr. Howdy? Yeah. In there. Captain. Captain, Captain Howdy. Howdy. And so, yeah, it's the, the debate of like, oh, did that open it up or is that just something she was doing? But they are <laughs> oh, unambiguous. Captain. That the Ouija board does work. Yeah. That okay. that stuff is real in this world. Oh, Captain, my Captain. <laughs> I just captain wanted Howard. to say that, yeah. Um, one last thing about it for me, too, that I think if, again, if you take the movie in at face value and aren't trying to unpsych yourself out and make it not scary, just the idea of being alive in the 70s seems pretty freaking scary. Terrifying, yeah. When she got spinal tapped and then they were doing some sort of MRI type thing, but it's not the... The pod where you slide in, which is still scary nowadays. God, we were just talking about this. It was the thing that was zoo, 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 was wrapping around her head. And I'm like, this is going to frighten the girl more than anything that's going to save her. We were talking about this the other day. And it was, it, was a, it was an older film. And we were watching it. And I said, you know why this isn't scary? It's because like half the other shit that's happening to this person in their regular life is 10 times scarier. I think it was The Exorcist that you, we were talking about. I don't this. know. It maybe, maybe, but like electroshock, terrifying. Oh yeah, the, just the doctors' offices in general. Doctors? Oh my god! It was a weird time where it was. It it appears, at least to me, you know, like I don't know what the the evolution of stuff that's in hospitals and doctors' offices was, and what years things happened. But it like it kind of like has this weird feeling where like it's past the. The 40s and the 50s with like iron lungs and like, uh, what is it, Nurse Ratchet and yeah. like dirty sanitarium type feel. But it's not quite to modern fluorescent hospital yeah. yet either. But they have some <laughs> of that technology in its infancy and it's just creepy overall. Yeah, they have some of that technology, but like the windows still have like iron guards on them mm-hmm. and it's like still really dark in the hospital. Like they don't have like floor to ceiling like windows. On one side of the hospital, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's still, it's, it's still a thing where, like, it is, it like, society wants to hide away the sick people and put them in, like, an abandoned gymnasium. You know what I it's mean? It's close <laughs> like, to, yeah, it's just a step ahead of that. Yeah. But, and but, we've put, we've, like, we've spit shined it a little bit and we've still done it. But, like, even the really nice, nice hospitals are somewhere in lawless Dublin where you have to take 15 traffic circles to get to. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. You know what I just thought of, too? Like, they hypnotize her at one uh-huh. point where they talk to both Reagan and presumably 
for them what what it I mean as the viewer we know actually possessing her versus oh this is like her mind playing tricks on her she thinks yeah. she's possessed and then they they try to go in there once it's, she's like way too far gone like she's when she has the, all the cuts on her face and you know her room is cold without any explanation besides her being possessed uh but the doctors never just talk to Regan. No. <laughs> they never just, when it's early enough on, when she's still there most of the time, they never just sit her down and say, what's going on, kiddo? Yeah. And I think that's indicative of what we're saying about medicine in the 70s being scary. Yeah. Autonomy? Women? A child? No. No, no, no. We're, yeah, it's a bunch of men in a, in a room sitting around a table Basically telling this mother that, oh, no, your experiences of the bed actually shaking. Now, this is not, and that's what makes it, like, scary in the sense that the 70s are scary, is this is not commentary. This is not about, like, the mom being shut out or them not believing the little girl. It's, they're just, that's just reality being put on screen of what the 70s was like. Yeah. Sometimes the scariest stuff in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Exorcist 2, The Heretic, tonight, huh? No, but the new Exorcist. Believer, which I've not heard good things about, which almost makes me more excited to see it. (laughs) I hope it's laughably bad that there's just certain things in it. I mean, I was just talking about that boardroom, like all the doctors and stuff talking to her. And there is even a line, apparently somebody posted it on Twitter in the new one, where the the mom is in it um, again. And she's being interviewed by somebody, one of the characters. And... They're like, well, why weren't you allowed in the room for the exorcism with your daughter? And the real answer is it's just too dangerous and a very, like, specialized skill that it's just the two priests that go in there. But she's like, I I don't know why. It could be, like, the patriarchy, which just feels like the most pasted on, bring it into the modern day. Because, like I said, yeah, there's evidence of it, but it's not the point of the movie. It just was 1973. Yeah. Also, I'm not going in there. Yeah, do you want to go in there and see, like, somebody, a good response tweet was like, and these doctors, because of the patriarchy, wouldn't even let me in the operating room. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just a time where the experts are doing something and you you wait. That's It sucks about life. Sometimes you have to give what seems like control over to experts to hopefully help save somebody. That happens in all sorts of walks of mm-hmm. life. and Not at Mount Carmel. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Last one we'll talk about. This one isn't scary. Depending on how scared you are of old people, I guess. The Golden Bachelor. We joked about it at the end of last uh, week's episode, but we have watched the, the what first. A, what a tonal shift. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just wanted to include it because we're two episodes <laughs> in, so we, we've got a lay of the land. You get that first night where all the, the ladies introduce themselves, but now he was actually going on dates. So yeah, it was a you don't really date. know them then. Yeah. And the, thing, only, the number one thing that stood out to me in episode two is... How scared Gary was to drive that convertible on uh, California highways because they wanted to take him and have the big neon lights at the diner so they could do a flash mob and dance. And that part seemed kind of fun. And I could see how they enjoyed that. But he was like dead stare forward, like focusing as much as he can, hands at 10 and 2. He did not like driving on that highway. And you know what? I can say I can't blame him. Like all of a sudden he's just driving at night on the highway in an unfamiliar area. Like couldn't they have... In a car that's not his. Yeah. And the lights are not working. (laughs) That was another factor. The headlights are not working. He could have jumped out of a plane by himself, maybe a parachute, and been in like 
an equal amount of danger behind the wheel of that vehicle on a California highway. Yeah. And but he did make it safe and they got to go on their date. And again, Why didn't they give No, the the lady who went on the date with him was wearing a scarf around her neck but didn't put it on her head, which is the whole point of putting a scarf on your neck. If you're going to be driving in a convertible like a, down yeah, a California like a little, highway. It was like a little silk scarf. It wasn't yeah. Yeah, one of the, not a winter scarf. You wrap it on your goddamn head so your hair doesn't look jacked when you get to the date. And her hair did kind of look jacked. But that's fine. Yeah, she's from a different generation. But if that's so really not a good excuse, know. so she should know. You're she right. should know that. Come on. But anyway, yeah. So you get to know the ladies a little bit more. The immediate vibes are everyone is there and having a great time. You know what I mean? It's not like Until they're kids. reminded of their dead sibling. <laughs> Until their dead uh, husband, spouse. spouse. Yeah. yeah. So that's always a bit of a bummer. But even even then, it's like so like sweet. Because like they, uh, Gary and a lot of these women already have a jumping off point of commonality. And then like a deep point, right? It's not artif- superficial. Mm-hmm. It's a very real human thing to lose your spouse. So a lot of these relationships are already excelling like at a very fast pace because obviously like the situation is unique but it's also like very isolating so i can see like deep emotional connections happening like further down the line and i don't even know how many episodes the season is but they've been like lessing the episodes and in like a regular premise of the show where it's a bunch of you know 19 to 28 year olds mm-hmm everything feels a little bit rushed and you don't get the sense that these people are feeling like pushed and rushed into relationships it does feel much more organic i would love to know like behind the scenes if they're just like because they're older and they've been through so much that are they just much more no nonsense with the production team or is the production team just nicer to them because they're older people and so yeah it's a little more lax oh yeah didn't get how everything flows didn't get chairs at the rose ceremony that's what she said (laughs) she's like bring us chairs And those are long, too. They are long rose ceremonies. So, yeah, some of the personalities are popping up where you're like, oh, she's going to be a little bit of trouble. But for the most part, it's like fun trouble, not like not like a villain. Right. I don't think they're going to set anyone up. I don't think they're going to like make 72 year old Sally Mae be the villain of this season. You know what I mean? Well, Sally Mae is the villain of real life. So. Damn, is that where I pulled that from? <laughs> yeah, that's where you wow. pulled that from. That was my subconscious yeah. coming out. My, um, that was my Pazuzu. wow in October too. What a scary time! Yeah, that was my that was my Pazuzu. <laughs> that was deep, your Pazuzu. Deep, deep, deep in the noggin. I don't say this to be like crass or insensitive, and I think it's just realistic as people age. I mean, these people are some of them are in their seventies now. They're all like at least sixty, I think. Um, that there's probably like just a little bit of like, I don't have time for that. I'm not trying to launch a premium tequila brand. I'm not trying to grow my Instagram followers. I'm actually here to see if in these last 20-ish years of my life. I thought you were going to say minutes. <laughs> these last 20-ish minutes of my life, can I find somebody new to fall in love with and spend some nice golden years with them? Yeah. It's the golden bachelor. Yep. We've already had a full life, right? quote unquote full life a lot of these people have already been married they've had their careers they've had their children blah 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 they've grandchildren all, some grandchildren yeah. right so they've already lived the life that like a lot of like these youngins are trying to like attain to by like this being their launching point we don't have to mess with any of that they are there for 
scary, really. This hot, old guy with attractive, old women. And so one of them, even they bonded over the fact that they have hearing aids, which is just the cutest thing. It's just so sweet. It's much more earnest than the normal bachelor. Yes, it's so sweet and it's so fun. And Gary just seems like a genuinely good guy, like a really decent man. So like you're just rooting for him the whole time. And, and and he gets so emotional, like, at the rose ceremony and, you know, when he's, like, talking to people, like, a really, like, a one-on-one because he feels very deeply. Do you think... About the situation. Do you think some of that comes from, too... I mean, obviously, he really loved his, his wife, and so that's a tragic thing to go through. But he also has daughters. Yeah. Like, do you think there's a part of that that just makes him, like, better oh, at interacting a, with women? You think he's a girl dad? <laughs> is he a girl dad? Is Gary... Is Hashtag Gary, girl dad? Is Gary girl dad? Does he have girl dad shirt? Um, no offense to the girl dads out there. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, maybe that's part of it. I just think that for him making a nice old man. Yeah. For him making the leap to become the bachelor is probably one that's like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm just going to like take this chance. So he already knows like what kind of like, you know, like kind of get so it takes to like go out there and put yourself out there on a very public platform. And for him to like send these women home who essentially, you know, are doing the same thing. Like, you know, what do I have to lose? That kind of thing. I think it hits harder for him. Do you think his daughters told him about the opportunity of the Golden Bachelor and that's why he applied to be on the yeah, show? Yeah, they were watching it. Yeah. And they were like, Dad, you'd be perfect for this. Oh, that was sad too. At the end of episode two, the one lady was talking about why she's there because her and her friend love The Bachelor and that The Bachelorette. The, of, the premiere that was at the end, that of, the was the end of the premiere. And then they dedicated that episode to her friend who, since it had been filmed, I guess, had died. She had cancer at the time and... She had since passed away, and that was, yeah, really sad, and not something that you normally get out of the bachelor. So, yeah, emotionally, yeah, it's a little, I guess, a little bit more fulfilling than normal. Yeah. So, if you're looking for like sweet stuff, especially since that one show's over that used to make everyone cry every week, this is us. Yeah, this is a good one for you because it's like kind of happy, sad, sometimes sad, sad, but also happy, sad. And I'm not a sappy girl, right? I am, you know, like. I hate to say it this way, but like sometimes when they like bring up the dead spouse thing, I don't roll my eyes because then Gary makes me like, okay, you need to be more empathetic to this woman. But it's like, we're all at that place. We all can't have the same sob story. You know what I mean? Like the pull at the heartstrings. Uh, Yes, but it also isn't as like cliche as when it's the young adults on the show. And they're like, it was really hard to lose out on my cheerleading scholarship or was, whatever yeah i've just been bullied for a really long time and that's why i'm so hot like shut the fuck up just <laughs> shut I, up when i was young my hair was so blonde that they called me blondie and it really hurt my feelings or like my hair was so curly and now it's straight and i can't get back the curl that i used to have because i was bullied <laughs> and straightening it shut up People don't tell you that when you're in really good shape, people will ask you to lift heavy things. It's really hard. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you normally get. This one's, yeah, a a little different. Uh, So, yeah, Yeah, I recommend Golden Bachelor. Yeah, the the sappy stories are, like, genuinely sappy, so it gets me more, but, yeah. Next week uh, should be a fun one. We've already got a zombie movie on deck 
Spoiler alert, we already watched it today, but we'll probably talk about that next week. It's on Netflix as we also, we bit the bullet and we did it. We got our, we, we're really growing up. We're buying a furnace. We're getting our own Netflix account. Those two things are the same. Honestly, after a week and a half of no Netflix days, and we've got, I've got a lot of stuff that I need to watch. I have to watch the Castlevania spinoff. I've got to watch Fair Play, that game with Phoebe Dover, Dyer, Dyer? anyway, mm-hmm. the chick from Bridgerton and that guy from a lot of stuff. Um, God, what else? Is Stranger on Things right now? Five is coming out in four years or whatever. No, <laughs> no, I will be letting uh, Pazuzu watch that with my eyes um, and not me. What else was there? There was one. Oh, the House of the Fall of Usher. Yeah, Fall of okay. House of Usher. The point is that there's plenty on Netflix that we do want to watch. Well, I'm getting the people excited about all it. things we might watch that you might hear on this podcast. Yeah, it's called a fucking teaser. Jesus Christ, go well, to radio school. Well, they're gonna have to wait. Until next week, because we're done for today. Boom. Was that a good transition? That was the best one. All right. For J-Lo, I'm Chops. For J-Lo? Thanks for listening, everybody. Chops TV is made possible by people who subscribe to podcasts and viewers like you. 